Hi, everyone. My name is Kate. Hi, I'm Ariel, also known as Artist Yumi. And you're listening to Artwise. everyone welcome to artwise i'm here with a guest ariel and i'm just gonna go ahead and allow you to go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about the kind of artwork you do and what you specialize in and just what we're here on artwise to talk about today yeah so i'm a full-time artist these days i get finances from commissions freelance work as well as mostly vending i've been in the inland empire area and that's in California. And my art is digital as well as acrylic painting. Awesome. So I I don't think we've, I mean, I've had a couple of vendors on the podcast. As of recording this though, I don't think any episodes for people like specialize in vending. I don't think they've actually come out yet. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this because I have actually never been a vendor before, like ever. I've been interested in it and I came really close to doing some vending events in the past. I actually paid for a table at the Tampa Comic-Con in my area and I was going to do like my local Comic-Con and vend just to like get an idea of what it was going to be like. But I paid for the table in December of 2019 and... The event was like mid 2020. So y'all, you know how that goes, you know, with COVID and everything. (laughs) So I wasn't actually able to do it. So I'm actually really excited to ask you some questions about that. But usually as, as I interview people, the first and last question for everybody always remains the same. And then the middle questions for the middle of the episode is basically custom to your expertise. But the first and last questions are super important for literally everyone. So I just wanted to oh, yeah. ask, what's your artist origin story? What what was your journey into becoming an artist like for you? Oh my gosh, it's it's a whole story. Okay, so I'm so excited because I've always wanted to tell anyone my backstory. So I started drawing for as young as I can remember. I remember like growing up watching like Pokemon and Digimon and stuff. And then I unfortunately had a very strict parental ship under my dad. And he did not want me to be an artist like at all. Anytime I'd draw or make poetry or write my own songs in the trash. <laughs> Luckily, my dad's not in the picture anymore. But it was just always a skill that I was able to develop. It started with like doodles on my homework and stuff and then using it as a pastime activity. And then when I got into middle school, I think that's where I made the bulk of my friendships. And we had like two tables worth at the lunch tables of just students drawing like Naruto OCs and anime OCs and like stuff for Invader Zim. And that was also around the same time of my internet usage. It's like really young, but that really inspired me to just keep going because we actually had a binder full of like our own self-insert Naruto comics. I unfortunately don't have it anymore, but it was really intricate. Like we, me and all my friends made our own OCs and we all had characters that represented us. And we like came up with plots and like funny stories and had added our own inside jokes for it. And we would show it to like 
the the anime club and the art teachers and stuff, and we would actually get in trouble for it too. But that is actually where the Yumi in my handle Artisan Yumi comes from. That's like my oldest OC, and I just kept it. But as far as art, it had always just been a hobby. I don't think I actually got like serious about it till high school. And by then, I was like, well, I ain't gonna go down the the military career path. I no, that's not for me. It would have almost been because that's what my parent, uh, my dad enforced on me. But at some point I said, I'm really good at what I do. I love the praise I get for it. I love what comes out of it. And I can make more out of this. So I had a high school teacher, uh, Michael Birnbaum. I took art one and then jumped to AP art the following year in senior year. And I think there was only like five other students in AP art class. They ended up dropping out and I ended up being the only student who was able to submit work to the, the AP exam. And granted, I got like a three on the exam, but it was still very satisfying to know that out of everything that senior year, that was the best I could put forward. Because, you know, everybody's senior year is like, super chaos and filled like we had a senior project we had to do community service just to graduate there was like so many hoops we had to jump through just to like consider a graduate and that really took out a lot of my classmates for my senior year like they just i remember some of them crying in class and stuff it made me really upset but after that my i wasn't sure about my college I had applied to like a university in Montana. I applied to art school, Savannah, Georgia, and I applied to LACAD and I got accepted for most of them, but the scholarship wasn't enough. And like, even though I was again like, avid for most of my high school, money wasn't discussed till later on. And so I don't really know where it was going to come from. I guess my head was in the clouds drawing so much that when the time came, I was just like, oh, real world's happening fast. I better do something. So I was a bit disappointed because you could say that me being my art classes was still like a sideline thing, but the main bulk of it was me being an avid and I felt really left out because like everybody else in my class was like going to big prestige colleges and getting accepted for it and stuff. And I was just kind of there. That being said, after high school, I didn't really go to any college. I just went to like a community college. And even then I took like a year off, I got a job and then did community college and was there for, I want to say five years. Essentially I finished college in 2019. I got an associate's degree for studio art to transfer. And in 2019, I just, I was burnt out. I felt I took way too long to finish an education and the bulk of my college experience, I actually took the bus everywhere. And so it would take like two to three hours just to get to my community college in the next city over. And there were so many transfers. And like, sometimes I'd miss the bus for an exam and fail that semester. So it was a lot of trial and error. But one really good quote that I had to heart was that if you want to succeed, you got to fail fast and fail hard. Only then can you learn what works and what doesn't. So I really tried not to let that keep me down. And after 2019, I do admit I fell into a depression. 
I wasn't sure what I was going to do with myself. I did feel like up until that point, it was just aimless. But to combat that, I just did my art again. And this time, instead of making it where it was an assignment or making it where it was some sort of prompt that I had to follow, I did what I call bent art. And it it looks exactly how it sounds. It's very emotional, very messy. It's like trash art, essentially. And just on the canvas, buying a bunch of canvases, making paintings until something comes out of it. And I do remember vending as far as 2017 when I was still in college, but it was like literally like once a year. And back then I only had a foldable table, a dolly, a lot of my physical paintings that I made at that moment. And like a canopy that was like six by five feet that like barely covered my table. <laughs> so, oh man, I made a lot of corrections to how I sell and like how I market myself since then. But 2019 depression, then 2020, the year after the quarantine. So I was just home a lot and I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep making more art. And then I joined TikTok and I was like, oh, okay. So there are other artists out there. And I had, oh my gosh, I had joined Twitter. I had DeviantArt for the longest time. Tumblr, Facebook, I like trying to go out of my way to find artists online. And I think I felt the most satisfaction finding creators out of TikTok. So I, I learned a lot from other creators. I tried to apply myself, as they say, and it just stuck. And I've been vending in my area. Granted, I only vend at two events, one that's in my town and then one in the well-known Riverside Art Walk. So yeah, that, that would be my, my backstory. Wow. That's, I, so I just want to commend you for s staying and like sticking with art through all of that, because I know that is not easy. It's much easier to just give up, yeah, especially yeah. when you have like family members who are unsupportive and there's an airplane above me. I'm sorry if you can hear it. It's much easier when you have uh, family members who are unsupportive and you don't have a good support system to just give up and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe maybe I shouldn't be an artist because, you know, it's hard when you're not hearing all of the wonderful things that art can do for people and bring to, you know, artists like as a career path. So I commend you for that. And I just want to say, too, when I, when I was reading your application, for being on ArtWise, like we have a very, very a similar s story. I don't know how much you've heard me talk about my situation, but I too, I applied for a bunch of art schools. SCAD in Savannah, Georgia was one of them. I applied to Ringling yeah. in Sarasota, Florida, Pacific Northwest College of Art and Design in Portland, Oregon. I had a few that I really, really liked and wanted to go to. And I got accepted, like you, with scholarships, but the scholarships like just were not enough. Even after the scholarships, it was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars that I just, not only did I not have, but I had no way to even get student loans for that, that amount. If I had tried to get a student loan, I might have been able to get maybe one or two years worth of a tuition. But after that, I don't think I would have gotten approved for the, the full amount to go for all four years. So I, I also, you know, 
I went to like a community college and my degree isn't actually even in art. I have a general education degree and I figured I'd get a bachelor's in art, but I ended up not because I mean, I I didn't stop because of of burnout or anything like that, but I definitely was burnt out. I just like I I don't know how into astrology you are, but like uh, my whole I love chart astrology good yeah my whole chart is fire and air so i just kind of like if i'm feeling burnt out like no i'm not you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah yeah, i definitely i'm a capricorn and i have a book like a birthday book it's really really old but i'm a capricorn and i'm born on the day of recovery and so i felt like that was one of the things i really took to heart like it's okay if i fail and with the college too, like my oldest brother, we, we have different moms. His mom was like willing to put money forward for me to get to a college, but I felt extremely terrible that one, they would probably be in debt for it. Two, that was like before their daughter was born, my, my niece. So I don't know how that would have worked for them. And three, even then, I don't think it would have been enough. Like I had zero experience being on my own. I didn't actually move out of my parents' house till 2017 and I graduated 2014. And I think the only way that would have worked if I had like a tent and I took the bus out there, like say Macad, so Laguna Beach, essentially tented out there, kind of like Toru from Fruits Basket, like living on the beach and then going to college and then taking the bus home. Maybe it would have worked, but that wasn't a risk I wanted, you know, like world's dangerous. I I wanted to be eased into it, not just thrown into the abyss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, I definitely differ there. Cause I'm, I moved out about like, I don't even think it was a full month after I graduated high school. I moved out very, very quickly. And then I, you know, I really similarly, like I, didn't want I didn't want to accept help to pay for college because I knew my parents like I didn't want to put them in debt for like selfishly for my own education so I thought you know I I did online school so when I when I got my associates all my classes were online this was pre-covid too so I was like I was doing it before it was cool but I I took all my (laughs) classes online because I I worked two jobs I worked probably 60 or 70 hours a week and so I had to do online classes because I my schedule did not a lot for me to attend like a physical physical classes but yeah I'm really glad that I didn't continue to go because I feel like I'm so useless I literally have gotten no use out of that degree I feel like I stressed myself out and tried to get it for nothing we actually at the time of recording this this episode isn't out but at the time that this episode is going to be released this episode will be out i just recorded an entire episode about art school and like should you go to college should you not go to college with the guest was amon mccormick and it's definitely like it's a hard decision for a lot of artists but at the end of the day, just my personal opinion, it's really not necessary if you feel like it's going to be such a struggle. Because I feel like a lot of people, artists aside, people in general will tell you that you have to have a college degree to get anywhere in life. And that's not the case for many reasons. But one, especially being that, especially in the art field, artists 
really value your skill and talent and worth at work ethic more so than anything else. Um, and like, I mean, like you, you know, you're, you're a vendor and you go to events and, and you sell artwork and, you know, you work for yourself. But even if you wanted to get like a job as a concept artist or a graphic designer, or if you wanted to do any of those things, that's all stuff you can learn online for free. And at the end of the day, the hiring manager is going to care more about whether you know the information than about if you have that piece of paper. So that's like a quick little summary of the much longer episode about about college but i i commend you for your story i think it's really awesome that you were able to stick through that and like continue with that with art through you know the struggles because i know as artists i think all of us have sort of a similar story in that like society just doesn't want us to do art they want us to fit in this like cookie cutter box and so they make it really hard <laughs> so yeah i completely agree with that too somebody probably ticked said that companies if you ever want to get under a company or a studio like they value that diversity of skills whether or not you have that degree and then not to mention like i was an avid for most of my high school they put into my head the whole college route and so like i'm so against avid like I understand that I was wandering, but for what? To be in debt? And then most of the classmates that did end up going to colleges, they ended up coming back to town with debt and an unfinished degree. So Yeah, I I think it's better definitely to avoid the the debt if if at all possible. I, I understand too, like there are a lot of artists who are really fortunate in that like their families can afford to send them through college and they don't even need to go into debt because, you know, they've been saving money or they have like good jobs that, that pay well. But for a lot of people, that's just not the, the case. And it's unfortunate that artists feel the need to give up their dreams and what they feel they're meant to do because of something you know that someone said to them or something their parents said to them so i i think it's really important to to push through and and keep going but i wanted i wanted to actually ask you what more about like your experience with selling like stickers bookmarks prints jewel how do you come up with like your designs like what is your experience like kind of like stepping <laughs> into that space and and doing that Right. So just like you said, a lot of skills can be self-taught. And that is my case. Like I took to YouTube, I took to TikTok. And it's like, one of the things I'll tell you, if you're going to be small business or even freelance, you kind of have to like find your niche or they might say it as you need to find your audience. I didn't really understand that until later. And what it is, is like, I don't want to say you have to put yourself in a box, but it's more like you need to have your hand in different labels that you want to represent your business. So for example, my art is like kind of chibi, kind of cutesy. That could be cute core. I try to go for something that's called weird core aesthetic. So some of my paintings have like subliminal spaces in them or are really abstract in thought or the philosophy of it. So I really try to think behind my work. And then as for like stickers and stuff, for those specific designs, I try to cater what I think people will like, but also what I want to see in the scene. So like, I want to see like more 
angel products or like more mental health advocacy or awareness or just like positivity for people who would just you know just struggle i also reuse some of my old older designs like i have a raccoon sticker i have a pug st sticker and a possum sticker and those i think sell the most and it's so funny because i made those in 2017 when i was first vending they weren't stickers then they were just like pictures on my instagram but i knew that if i kind of like got those images again touch them up and then finalize them boom i have a product and since I'd say my art is like not necessarily physical. I try to translate that into like bookmarks, the stickers. I have so many future ideas for products that I want out there, like paper doll dolls with like articulate movement in their joints. Let's see, plush dolls, things like that. And then what also helped too is I have friends who really have helped me. I have my Two best friends, Chloe Scott and Miranda Soares. Miranda does the resin work and does the tie-dye shirts. Then she gives those to me and I design the line work via for my Cricut and that becomes a heat transfer iron-on. So boom, shirts. And then Chloe, she has, she just got actually her second 3D printer. She prints like cosplay accessories and like jewelry and stuff and then hands those to me and I paint. So I have my two fulfillment centers handing it to me and then like, I finalize the product. And I also do like the marketing, the labels, the price tags, and I try to make those as appealing as possible too. And then I got a third friend, his name's Bobby Mountsaf or Bob's Photography on Instagram. He'll always show up at my events and take photos but then he'll also give me tips on how to make my table space look appealing for people to come in and see. Because, I, I, first of all, I gotta say, your setup does matter when you're vending, as well as how you incorporate your table space. You don't want to leave any gaps on your table. There should always be something that they're looking at when their eye goes across your table, essentially. So that was a really good pointer. And it helps too, like some people, they'll always ask about prices even when the label is like right there in front of them. So the more labels you have, the better. And then I totally recommend getting a laminator because then that helps with finalizing your work, especially if you have like photos or prints, laminate them. People love that. Like, you know, it doesn't make it easily to tear or crumble on their way home before they like put it in a picture frame or something. Let's see, what else? When I started vending, I did take the Craigslist to look for events, though that might not be safe. You always got to be careful through Craigslist, but Facebook <laughs> events, as well as just from word of mouth. By the time you start vending, I do highly encourage making friends with the other vendors next to you because they can tell you what's going to be like your next event that you can book. And if they like you enough, you might get in for a good price. That's really... That's really cool. That's a lot. That's a lot of information. <laughs> it, it is a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I have a question. I was wondering if you've ever considered doing like art licensing before. Eventually, that will be my goal, slowly but surely. Being an artist doesn't mean you have to take one career path. Like, you don't have to be like a painter for the rest of your life. Like, that can translate into so much. But in order to not get overwhelmed or burnt out, it, it helps to go slow. 
And by slow, I mean like a year or so with your foot in the door and then see what else opportunities you want to go down. Oh, for sure. I was just curious because for those of you who are listening, who don't know what art licensing is, it's this super cool way to make passive income as an artist. So like you're, you have your normal portfolio and you could also have like your art licensing portfolio. And I have not talked about art licensing on this podcast, but now is probably a great time because I just feel like your art would be suited to be really good for a certain like art licensing thing. But basically, what art licensing is when you know when you go to like Walmart or Target or like a grocery store somewhere and you see those little mugs or like tissue paper or like greeting cards or you know like wrapping paper and they have like the cute little drawings on them and you're like, oh, that's cute. I'm gonna buy that. An artist made that, and more often than not, it is usually someone who was was basically their art was like leased from an art licensor and essentially you have this art licensing portfolio and your art licensing portfolio is different from your regular portfolio it's kind of like a menu and people can literally look through your art licensing portfolio and say, oh, can I license this from you and put it on some mugs and I will pay you royalties for every mug I sell? And you say, sure. And you write up a contract and they sign it. And then you get all this money and you literally don't have to do anything except for say, yeah, you can use my artwork on mugs or shirts or hats or greeting cards or wrapping paper or like whatever they want to use it for. And I always like recommend artists especially ones that are vendors who have art that's already suited for product to start an art licensing portfolio because there's not really a whole lot of work that goes into it other than just giving permission for someone else to use your art and then accepting the check once they've sold it on stuff so that's the only reason i brought it up yeah I think it's a really great idea. Eventually, I want to start doing like children's books, but have it be mm-hmm. through Amazon Publishing because that itself will be a passive income. So I don't know if artists out there know, but it helps to have passive income and then the income that's like made on the spot. And that for me would be the vending. Yes, yes. Amazon KDP is another way to make really good money. You can do children's books, but also another thing that I've seen people do is they make journals. So yes, the, yes, the pages are all pages are all empty. Sometimes there'll be like lines on the pages or like dots or like whatever kind of journal that you want it to be. But like you could literally just design a journal cover and then, you know, that's that. I've also <laughs> seen people do coloring books as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of stuff that you can do through Amazon KDP. And Amazon will literally they do everything for you. It's incredibly passive. I feel like people constantly are like, Oh, well, I have to make the stickers myself. And I have to do this myself. Because, (laughs) you know, if I if I do all of that myself, then I get to cut a bigger check, like I get 100% of the check at the end. And if I do, you know, Redbubble or KDP or Printify or whatever, then yeah, they're shipping it for me and they're doing all the work, but like I get like the tiniest little cut out of the paycheck, which is true. But if you are focused on vending and you don't have a lot of free time, I definitely recommend the passive income because then if you have like 
a bad day or if you like don't meet like what you need for the month for like your you know your bills and your essentials you always have that cushion of having the passive income so i highly recommend any artist literally any artist ever even if you don't need the extra income it's like extra money like why would you say no to that especially if you're already making art that could be used on products you know it's just right. like two birds two birds one stone you know <laughs> yeah definitely gotta go after that it's very slept on yeah i i think a lot of artists hear how like quote unquote difficult it is to make it as an artist and they are told all of this propaganda from these people that just hear starving artists and I hate artists and blah 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 and they just feel like they can't do it but honestly and hot take this is an unpopular opinion but I don't care <laughs> I think we'll that I think that being an artist is going to be the most lucrative, like being a creative, I should say not, I'm not gonna, well, artist is an umbrella term in my mind. Some people think of artists, they think of like a painter. I think of artists, I think of a creative. So I guess I'll just use the creative, like cre being a creative person who like makes things and comes up with these creative ideas is going to be the most lucrative career path point blank period like soon because we're living in the age of social media where people need, need to hire someone to make content to design a website to design logos to design an advertisement to make art to put on products and the possibilities for income passive or not are quite literally endless if you are the one making things and i promise you i know when you're in it and especially when you're first starting like I'm first starting, right? I just started and it's incredibly hard. It's not to say that it's easy, but you can't think of it from like a negative perspective. You have to continuously be like, oh, this is passive income that I can, you know, try and do like if I'm short on money or blah, blah. And you just got to keep going until all of a sudden you're not even worried about money anymore because everyone just wants to hire you for all of these different things because your ideas are so good and you're so creative and you have all of these beautiful artworks that you can do a million different things with so i hot take but i i think art is if if it's not already honestly because it, it it is really important i think it's going to be one of the most lucrative career paths that you could possibly take in the future and i think that you know i i feel like i like what i'm doing with not only this podcast but like the discord server and like my own business i feel like is really squashing the whole starving artist stigma and i can only hope that like if one parent listens to this podcast and changes their mind about like their kid becoming an artist and becomes really supportive then like it will have all like all these hours and and quite literally at this point years worth of work to produce this podcast is like worth it so yeah just gotta remain positive and like you're a creative you'll find a way like if there's a problem like you'll solve it you know what i mean that's right artists are like the best problem solvers my high school teacher michael birnbaum taught me that and i take that to heart so much yeah. i want to go ahead and talk about some of the items that helped me bend would that be all right yeah yeah absolutely go for it okay so if you want to start vending having these items will help you i know i spent a bit of money on stuff that like either wasn't used or wasn't necessary or I ended up having to upgrade or downgrade. So I'll tell you what works. First off, tables. Not every event's going to supply you with tables. 
it's kind of expected that you have to bring your own. I do recommend folding tables. Everybody's going to either opt for like the nine foot or the six foot. There's a five foot that you can get. And that is small enough that when it folds, it fits perfectly in a sedan's trunk. So if you're limited with space, maybe that will help you. You don't necessarily have to get a dolly because if you get something which is called a quick cart, it basically is a rolling crate on wheels. Teachers use these and they can collapse. All of your stuff, all of your merch can fit into that. And so that that's on wheels. And then you've got your table that might not require you to get a dolly. But if you do, don't go for an actual dolly. Go for like the camping, rolling, folding, collapsible cart. Like the cart you see families pull their kids in on the beach, those, those are perfect. And then I did say previously that it helps to kind of build your brand. Find a color that you like, that you want to represent your small business and have that be for your table covers or even the, the cloth for your canopy's tent and then eventually get a canopy. 10 by 10 is, you could say the default because most places supplied to you only say 10 by 10. And when I say 10 by 10, I mean 10 foot by 10 foot canopy. It, there are canopies that you can get that in the middle of it, you just push up and it pops up on its own. But for the most part, you might need a second person helping you. That being said, it does help to bring somebody along. If you were by yourself managing your table space, there's no guarantee that you can walk away safely and then come back and your stuff's going to be there. Like, you're welcome to make friends with the vendor next to you and hopefully have them watch your stuff. But you should still, just in case, have an assistant on hand because then they can help you set up, they can help you pack. I mentioned the laminator that's for labels, but that's also so that way you can create like a, a poster to hand to your customers for payment options. So for payment options, I have Squarespace or Square. Square is like the little card reader that you can get that's free. Eventually I'll upgrade that. But then I also have QR codes on this little flyer that I hand to customers that are for PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App, and then also my phone number for like Zelle. So you, you wanna take like all payment options if you can. And then always have cash on hand. I always have like an apron on me. Some people have a fanny pack, but have that money on you. So if you do walk away, that money is still on you. What else? Oh my God, the weather. Don't even get me started on the weather. Like we live in California, it gets hot, it gets cold. You don't know what to expect. Having the canopy prevents the rain. If you have a sidewall, that helps with the sun because the sun moves. But I have this like wet towel. I don't know what it's called. You wet it and it stays cold for like the entirety of the day. That's on my neck. I got a sun hat. I got my sunglasses. But then in the car, I have an extra set of clothes in case it gets cold. So definitely be prepared for the weather. If you're able to get like a small ice, what do you call it? Like an igloo where you can put ice in it and cold drinks. And then what else? Yeah, I would say that's pretty much it. That would be my go-to setup. And if you don't know what to get starting out, at the very least, get your chair, like a camping chair and your table. Just having that alone works. And some vending spots, it is cheaper just to do the table and not with canopy. So that's what I got to say on the topic. With the canopy, I've seen some vendors utilize their canopy space where 
They get the metal grid. They're used for shelves or for building animal cages, but they get like a metal grid. I know you could buy something similar from for that from Home Depot, but they zip tie it to the sides of their canopy so it becomes a wall. And from there, they could put their paintings on there or any little packaged products on there or even their signs and then eventually get like a banner. So yeah, that, that would be like from the least to the most of what you could bring. So would you say like if you, like if I asked you like, okay, where is like the one-stop shop where I can get everything I need? Like, would you, what would you say? Like one store to get everything? I, I hate to say it because Jeff Bezos, but Amazon. <laughs> Amazon? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if like maybe Home Depot or Walmart would have everything, but I was like thinking and I'm like, hmm, I feel like I would have to get something like that on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, you have to be creative. Oh, and light source. Sometimes it gets dark. I got, there are these solar paneled small lights that I've seen people drill into their like backyard fences, but because they're solar powered, they don't take batteries. So as long as I charge mm-hmm. them the day before, they're on. They're bright. If you got artwork you want to pop, you can get like one of those UV USB plant lights and then just get like a battery pack and then like tape it to the top of your canopy. Boom, your art's gonna pop out because now it looks like a black light fluorescent color. So that, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Do you, do you usually have access to like power or not always? The Paris events that I vend at always have power. Riverside Art Walk, no. I've seen a lot of people have to bring their own generators. And I won't lie, every single time I set up, it's always going to look different. So there's a benefit to that because you can see what works and what doesn't. And you might sometimes have to change your layout just for customers to want to go to your, your booth. Because especially, too, for certain events, like if it's super packed, traffic might move in a way that overlooks your vending spot especially if it's like just a table, unfortunately. So if it is just a table, find a way to move yourself like closer to the crowd. I recently vended at Anime Riverside. We were supposed to be right in front of the convention center, but instead we were actually a street away. And between us was a, like a a food market. And then they packed up like halfway during the event. So then there was still just like a whole street of space. There was pros and cons to that. The pros was that people going to the convention and leaving the convention would find us very easily because basically we were by the shops in downtown Riverside. The cons to that was we didn't really have a nearby restroom and we probably could have had more sales being closer to the convention. So it's also like a preference. Hmm. That's interesting. See that like, I'm so glad that you're talking about stuff like this because like, Honestly, I feel like a lot, myself included in this, by the way, a lot of artists like get so excited about like, you know, getting started doing like these, like these vendor events and then like, don't even think about things like that, like bringing a table, bringing a canopy, bringing, you know, all of that stuff. They're thinking, oh, I got to make, you know, I, my first thought that I did when I was going to do Comic-Con was I literally designed and did the artwork for this huge banner. Like I was not even thinking about a table or a canopy. I was like, no, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get my art printed on. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen them. It's like the, they're like the tall vertical, like sign banners that like stand up on their own. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I would imagine that those would be hard to like move around. Like if they're dismantable, if any of your equipment's dismantable, that's perfect. But not everybody's like merchandise stands are. Oh yeah, no. I think I was looking at getting it printed through Vistaprint and they had a like a collapsible version of what I was looking for, but it was a lot more expensive. And to be completely honest with you, like I did the art for it and the art came out cool and I'm glad I did the art for it, but I ended up not going to Comic-Con because of COVID anyway. But I didn't even think about the fact that had I actually went through with it and bought that, I would not have been able to fit that in my car. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah. I have a little tiny Honda Civic. So I'm, oh, I'm yeah. glad that you're you're talking about like what, things that you would actually need because I feel like as artists, we get so excited about the actual like art aspect and the product aspect. And then it comes to like actually going there and like, oh my gosh, I don't have a table. I don't have a canopy. I don't have like anything that I would need. I, I have nothing. So it, it, yeah. it would be good to be prepared. First, Something that... Uh Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> okay. There's two things I do want to add. So when I signed up for Anime Riverside, I thought I'd actually be inside because my artist friend, Mike Kim Art, who was able to help me get my foot in the door, he was inside. I checked on them and I asked them how they were doing because they were able to come out and they're like, oh, the power went out. And I was like, what? So they're in there really, really cramped. And then for the power to come out, like, I think it went on after like three hours, but they might have lost business from that. So I will say like, vending at conventions is a lot different than vending with like your canopy. There's pros and cons to that. The cons might be that it's cramped. It might be that if you're by yourself, like that's going to be super overwhelming because that's a bunch of customers at once. And the third thing could be little inconveniences like not being able to go to the restroom or the power going out or stuff like that. And the second thing I want to say is if you're starting out, maybe find a buddy that you know is not doing anything. Like I wouldn't have been able to get my start had it not been for my friends like Chloe or Miranda or Bobby or even a friend, Mona's Tired on Instagram. Monique has been, she's a colleague I met in college and she helped vend with me too. I have photos of all of us like just vending together and having that team really does help. If you're by yourself, you might get discouraged. So it does help, even if it's like just one or two people. Or I've seen people bring their kids, honestly. Oh wow, really? Yeah, it's it's really really cool. That's awesome. Something that I was wondering too, I, you kind of talked about like the networking aspect of like getting your foot in the door, but what do you think is like the best way to go about finding local opportunities for these vendor events as an artist selling products? Always attend the event first as an attendee before you decide to book there because well, I don't want to. Well, yeah, I'll say there is a night market in Marietta that I vended at. It felt like all of the canopies that were put on the main street got all the attention and the artist alley that they had was hidden away. And there's like three bands going on. Two of them, two of them are which on the main street with the canopies but then we had our like one band in our little artist area and like a lot of people missed us because they just had to like turn left off the main street. So yeah, definitely attend the events. Definitely like go to the events, find a vendor that has similar stock that you would consider to sell for yourself and like ask them, be friendly. And oh my gosh, every event that you go at, pick up business cards, meet people, 
I have a whole board behind me just filled with business cards of vendors that I've met. And make your own business cards. They don't need to start off professional. You could just print, cut it out yourself. You know, I use Canva for the majority of my product. I don't use like Photoshop or anything. I use Canva. Canva's free. And then getting those business cards, that helps to network too. Have them in your wallet, leave them places. Yeah, have a business. Shameless plug, but I design business cards. It is one of my major specialties and my business cards are really badass. You can check them out on my TikTok if you haven't seen them. But I also think I posted a picture of them on the Artwise podcast Instagram account at one point. They're really cool. So if you're looking to hire someone who specializes in like really creative, fun business cards, check it out. But also if you're an artist, you probably don't need to do that. But Shameless plug. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. You know what I'm saying? So I was wondering if like maybe you can tell like a little story or, or something to kind of like explain this. I was just wondering, you said so, you made some comments about being like adaptable to actually like sell artwork as a vendor and like be that type of artist. So I was just wondering like if you could give some examples of like what kind of adaptability is what Rick, oh my goodness, I can't talk, required <laughs> for an artist that wants to turn their artwork into products to sell at vendor events. Mm, adaptability. Well, mm, in terms of business, it helps to know who the competition is. I hate to say that, but yeah. But at the same time, like, you got to see what works and what doesn't. So like my very first product was stickers. My first sticker was like, ugh. my art, I should say, is like 420 friendly. It actually helps me produce my art. But my very first sticker is mm -hmm. like an alien holding a bomb. So that sold really well because I wanted to cater to that specific audience who also uses marijuana recreationally. And with your product, your very first product you decide to sell, I really urge that you make that solid, make that the best you can, and then start to move on to the second product and then the third product. And like all of my stickers are hand cut. I could opt for using Cricut, but then they wouldn't have the laminate that they have on them that makes them like super protective. And I do feel like that's just preference, but the adaptability too is, so example, sometimes I'll vend and I'll recognize that most of the crowd is children. And I have like products specifically for kids, like little coloring books and stuff. And so I'll take some of my stuff and just kind of put it aside, but then I'll have a sign like, oh, if adults are interested, I'll offer to them. And the many part-time jobs that I worked at, like Subway and Food Villas has taught me excellent customer service. So it really does help to start off with like a, hello, how are you? How's your day going? Is there anything I could help you with? Is there anything you're looking for today? And then when you finish their order, before you ring up their card or you take their money, you'd be like, is there anything else I can get for you? You know, like really establish that contact. And I have so many customers that come back to me just to say hi. And that's like the best thing ever. Like, I love that. And they'll tell me like where they put their stickers that they bought for me at. Or I'll even get feedback from them like, hey, how did this work? Did this sticker last long? Is it fading? Did you put it on your car? How's the waterproof on it? Because your audience will give you excellent feedback about the direction of your business. Yeah, for sure. That's that's awesome. I, hmm, I'm like like I'm just sitting here like taking this all in. I literally feel like when I go to edit this episode, I'm gonna have to like get my notebook out and like make a list of like all the stuff I gotta buy and 
I'm I'm actually like I'm pretty stoked because I I'm actually at the time this comes out I will have already moved but at the time of us recording this I'm actually like moving in a couple weeks and the place that I'm moving to is literally like walking distance away from this place that pretty regularly has like these monthly vendor events and I've been seriously considering like oh maybe I should just try it out just to you know see if I if I like it and I'm just wondering I'm curious like what do you what do you recommend for an artist who's like oh maybe I would like this but I want to like test it out to see if I like it first like uh, like what is the the bare minimum that you think you should start with that isn't too too big of an investment for someone who isn't sure if they want to go that route or not yeah so many cities have their own version of an art walk or a night market or even an outdoor swap meet many of them are only held once a month so just go with one at a time you don't have to like book every single event that's coming at you not unless you feel ready for it because like, i really gotta say especially if you're like being your own boss in that moment there's a build-up for these events there's the week before where you're advertising about it getting your stuff ready there's the day before where you're loading up the car and like taking inventory of your stock and then there's the day of making sure you get that rest making sure you get that sleep making sure you're fed before you go to these events mind you and maybe bringing a little lunch for you as well and then you know there's the after which I'm not going to lie, I just crash in my bed as soon as I get home. And then I unload and I go through stuff the day after. And then I also, the day after, like, look at the business cards that I collected and follow them on my Instagram. But start off slow. You know, like, it's you're not going to get everything perfect the first time. Because even I don't get it perfect. Like, if I forget something, I'm just like, okay, I forgot it. There's no worry about it. Like, I ain't going to stress. And it can be overwhelming, too. I consider myself neurodivergent, and sometimes communication can be extremely hard for me. Thus, the recreational marijuana. Otherwise, oh, depression would come back. But do what you can to get, like, the pep in your step, because that helps, too. But also, have fun with it. Many of these events have music playing. Many of these events you can make friends with. Like some of the vendors I have will give us like free snacks and whatnot for just like watching their booth for them. So like, just, just have fun. You know, you could even bring, like I bring my switch or my iPad and I will draw or do work between customers or like play video games between customers. There was one vendor that I saw yesterday uh, at an event in Paris who they have a TV on wheels that they can bring with them and they hook up their computer and they draw in real time on their tablet that projects on the tv and i asked the permission uh, like can i can i do something similar with my ipad they're like yeah we would love to see that and that really brings in the factor too because then people can see you make the work in real time so that that helps so yeah that's but a definitely really bring, good idea yeah definitely bring your inventory your tables and chairs something for the weather dress accordingly of course Drinks and snacks, lose change and money, and then something to pass the time if it does get slow. And that's it. All right. Awesome. I I'm going to ask you my, my last little question, and then we'll get into self-promo. Uh, sound good? Sure. All right. So this one I ask everybody because I feel like we have gotten some really, really good advice out of this question. And that is, what advice would you give your younger self regarding your art career? Is there anything that you wish you could go back in time and like tell yourself as like a young 
artist just starting out? Yeah. All of the stuff that was, like, looked down on or discouraged, like, having an anime style or a chibi style. Art is an expression first, before it is anything else. It's a way to communicate. So I would tell my younger self, like, don't ever get rid of that, because I went through so many different art style changes. And at the same time, being an artist, like, we can create something out of nothing. I think that's, like, the best thing ever. Like, it almost feels like a superpower. Like, oh, something's in my head. Boom, it's a drawing. So just have fun with it. And you really have to stay true to yourself because it can get gruesome. It's easy to, like, compare yourself to others, especially when you go online and you see all of these other creators making their stuff. Don't even worry about it. Take what you like. Take the things that come out of your passion and, like, your hobbies and then try to incorporate that into your artwork. So it's okay if it starts off at fan art. It's okay for that. It's almost unavoidable to have that as a phase as an artist. Absolutely. That's how I started. I would copy comic books. That's how I learned. Yes. <laughs> I would copy whole comic book pages. Just not even like to post them. I mean, some stuff I did like post, but I, I wouldn't claim that it was mine. I would just be like, I copied this out of a comic book. It's not cheating if you admit. Well, it's not cheating, period, to like copy or trace. But if you're copying art from another artist, obviously, you know, you can't claim that it's yours. But it's a great way to practice. And it's it's no crime. You know what I mean? Unless you're like claiming that it's yours and you're stealing art. Fan right. art, copying, all that is all, like, fair game, in my opinion, especially if you're just using it to, like, learn, like, genuinely. So I, I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So we're coming up on an hour. So I think this is a good place to do our self-promo time. So your social media, where people can support you, any projects that you have that you're working on that you want to promote, now is the time. And as always, all of these links will be in the episode description for easy access. So the floor is yours. All right. Well, I'm on Instagram. It's Artisan Yumi, A-R-T-I-S-A-N-Y-U-M-I. And that's for majority, that's the spelling for it all. I do have a Patreon, it's patreon.com slash artisanyumi. That really does help me as a passive income, and you guys can see a lot of my behind-the-scenes work and photos for when I bend. And then my website, artisanyumi.com. My gallery's on there, my portfolio's on there, and my online shop is on there. And that's about it. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ariel, for coming on. I love your work. I hope everyone who has listened thus far gets a chance to go on there and, and show you some love. And thank you guys to everyone who's listening to this episode. It was super awesome. Great info. I'm definitely going to go back and like write all this stuff down when I'm editing because I definitely want to try out vending myself because it's something I've never done before. So thanks again, Ariel, for all, all the hot tips. <laughs> yeah, of course. And thank you. Yeah. And as always, if you guys could check out Artwise Podcast on Instagram, tell a friend about us. The Instagram has links to literally everything, our free Discord server for networking, Artwise Podcast merch that you can buy through my website, all of that and episode announcements and behind the scenes stuff. And as always, five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, that's where you're listening. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. 
and I will see all of you guys next Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.